0: One.
1: God gave me a Ferrari because I am a Ferrari. You're a Ferrari too. When God made you,
2: He had all the options put on. You are fully loaded and totally
3: equipped. So do this with me. Whoa, whoa. Where did we ever come up with the style of preaching we have today?
4: There is some entertaining preaching, but not convicting preaching, and the legacy has been
0: tragic. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel
3: road trip to truth season four talking about the issues your kids should be talking about this particular episode is about wow (laughs) nailed it that's kind of a, a satisfying feeling when you actually hit your post i gotta tell you something this is wretched radio it's sort of like when you vacuum And there's a bunch of crumbs. Oh, what is that feeling? It's very, very satisfying. I hope that this particular episode of Road Trip to Truth from Season 4 satisfies some of the questions our kids should be asking. If not, they will be soon. The subject of money, it is one that is, well... A lot of churches do talk about it in a wrong kind of way when they tell people you got to give and then God's going to bless you. And if you don't, he's going to curse you. That's the prosperity gospel, which should be rejected. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be talking about the subject of money. The brand new season of Road Trip to Truth, season four, discusses that very issue with one Tim Hollies. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's like that bread. Tim That's right. Tim
5: Challies is a Canadian blogger, and he and I sat down to talk about how a Christian is supposed to view the subject of money. Is there a biblical difference between secured
1: and unsecured debt? I'm not sure that the Bible has a lot to say about the distinction between the two, but it is an important distinction for us to know in that a secured debt is one where you're putting up something against the debt to say, if I cannot pay it, you can have this. Unsecured debt is one where I'm just taking out the debt, I'm borrowing something, and I don't have anything to put up against it so that if I fail to pay, you're going to lose. And so I think we really need to be aware of those differences and um, just be sure that as far as we can we are securing any debt we we need to have. So Christians can take a loan but not an unsecured loan. Generally speaking, it would be more wise to take a secured loan so that you can ensure you're able to pay it back. The Bible says it's very wrong, very sinful to borrow and not repay. that's a that's a grave sin in the eyes of the Lord. Hey you gotta have some
3: obligatory, funky music to keep the kids interest don't you know
5: what are your thoughts about student debt uh it's a trap
2: don't like it, not, not a fan of it.
4: I think a lot of young people are pushed into taking out loans and not really well informed on how it works or how severely it can cripple you later
6: in life. It's necessary if you're going into a field that, you know, is going to make the money back. But if you're not necessarily, then kind of puts you in a tough spot.
1: Don't go to college.
6: Colleges should be about like education first and not be a business first.
1: Should a student take student loans? Asking if a student should take a loan is an interesting way to ask the question. Uh, it, It attaches some sort of moral imperative to it. Is it right or is it wrong? It's probably better to put it in the realm of wisdom. Is it wise or is it unwise for a particular student to take out a particular student loan to pursue a particular course of studies? There are so many factors that need to be weighed. How do I know if I should take a student loan or not? You'd probably want to consider a number of things. Could you work for a year or two and accumulate enough funds that now you can go in debt-free? Are you really uh, likely to succeed at that educational program and then emerge on the other side with a degree that would generate sufficient income that you could easily pay that back, or will you be bogged down in debt for years and years and years? And then not everybody needs to go on to a college or university education. Many people can get involved in other fields where you don't need that. You don't need to take out loans. You don't need to go to university you can still have a very very good living gotta tell you that's a big amen from me
3: too many young people have been told by our world perhaps by family you gotta go to university that can be a perfectly fine thing for a particular child but not for every young person i gotta tell you something if you want your kid to be successful these days have them study a trade Have them study something that ain't going away because of AI. Toilets will still need to flush. We can have AI and toilets will still need to flush. You're going to want HVAC. After all, we got to keep the computer cool down, don't we? If your kid goes into a trade, I got to tell you, that is not second-class citizenry. I know that the world seems to emphasize university and having a diploma and as many initials behind your name as possible, and that can be well and good. You you just don't want to say that all of that is bad. Certainly not. If If that is your child and they are seeking to increase their knowledge in a particular field where it appears they should be able to recoup the massive amounts of debt they're probably going to incur, rock on. But that's not the only way. It's the world that tells us that. But I think wisdom says getting into the trades, really smart plan. Go ahead. Find somebody who works in the trade. And Ask them how they're doing. You might be shocked at who's making the big bucks these days. <laughs>
5: Do you think it is wise to take a car loan or a home loan?
4: If you have a safety net of money, like for a rainy day or something, and you really need that, I would say yes.
1: Honestly, I feel, I feel like you need like a loan for both.
6: Me personally, I'd rather like try and like pay it outright. Cash. Yeah, pay yeah. it in cash. Car loans, I don't think so, cause you know, a car depreciates in value, but I definitely think um, a home loan because you know, that can grow in value and then you'll be able to make equity on that.
5: What about like car and home loans? Are those good
1: debts to take on? That question gives us the opportunity to consider a couple of different sorts of asset that we can buy. We can buy appreciating assets, which are assets that over time typically grow in value or depreciating assets that over time typically lose their value. And so if you're buying a home, generally you can expect that over time that home will become worth more and more. And so you'll be borrowing money for an asset that's going to grow in value. Hopefully. On the other hand, if you're borrowing money to buy a car, every time you drive that car, every day that car sits in your driveway, its value goes down. And so you're borrowing money to buy something that is losing value over time. Good stuff. For a
3: Canadian. <laughs> hey, kid! <laughs> My northern brethren, that's Tim Challies on Road Trip to Truth Season 4. Most certainly, I, I'm not aware of any youth group curriculum that deals with the subjects that we tackle in Road Trip to Truth. Yep, we get into other stuff like CRT the racism issue but we get into true and false conversions we discuss atheism and what a bankrupt worldview that is then we talk about some practical things like money 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 because your kid is going to be dealing with the subject especially if they run off to university the bible is brilliant the bible does not lock us into a century if it did we could not participate in the 21st century economy but it doesn't lock us in it allows for liberties and it demands wisdom regarding appreciable depreciable assets is that a smart thing to do should you be taking out a loan for that what about credit card debt where there's interest rates that are exorbitant what do we do about that And what do we do about those long-term student loan debts now if you are not a Christian, you might be saying the government should just wipe them out, but that wouldn't be biblical either now, would it? Because you should not force one person to pay the debt of another person. If you're thinking about university and you're going to be incurring some debt, I would encourage you to find a lot of older people to talk to about it and ask them what they think about your particular degree. <laughs> Jimmy, was that, that?
2: That was the Saturday. I know what you're thinking. That the,
3: skit. Yeah. The, what the guy said? He was, ah, was all woke at, at Columbia University. Uh, yeah. I can't
2: remember exactly what he said, but it was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it
3: was, you know, like something about entertainment <laughs> with a major in Drake. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, speaking of the university campuses, Wow. What is what is being done to Jewish people on university campuses? Can you imagine what it would be like to be Jewish in America today when we're seeing some of these <clears throat> peaceful protests for Palestine? How they must be feeling about just going outside, going to class these days? That's because on so many of these university campuses, so many, not all, so many of the degrees... They ain't worth it, and they most certainly aren't worth the debt that you're going to incur. You're going to be racking it up. Can you really get a job in that field? Are you really going to be able to provide for your family because you know a lot about Drake or whatever? What? Don't Don't just read what the university website says. This will provide the opportunity to work in the following fields. See if that's true. See if that's reality see what the percentages are see what the actual income is and the only way to learn those things is by finding people who have some experience which means you do well to find some older people and download that wisdom so that you do not graduate with a piece of paper that's worthless in fact it's worth less than worthless because It's got a really big string attached to it, and on the end of it is the federal government demanding that you pay back the massive loans that you have incurred. Seek wisdom and get yourself Road Trip to Truth, season four, available at wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio you are one of the people who supported our joint effort with the Masters Academy International to get Bibles into the hands of people, you're going to hear a thank you letter from May that perhaps will encourage you that what you did was a very good and lasting thing. I'm one of the recipients of the MacArthur Study Bible, so generously given with the help of Gospel Partners. This will help me in my daily study of God's Word and will inform, instruct, inspire me in my walk with the Lord, as well as my service to the Lord in my- my family and my church ministries how encouraging is that by the way if you're not plugged into the master's academy international everything is about long-lasting impact they train pastors in 18 19 countries and many seminaries around the globe so that pastors can fill empty pulpits and preach that makes a generational difference you can learn more about the master's academy at wretched.org bible or if you prefer wretched.org Pastor. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched
2: Radio today. We certainly appreciate it when you tune in and you listen to Wretched Radio and you check out our other resources that are available at Wretched.org. Thank you for listening. We couldn't do this without you. Because who would listen? Who would watch? We need people to watch and listen in order to continue doing this. So thank you for supporting us in that way. Now, if you would like to take our relationship to a higher level, we also need your support financially, because just like if we don't have listeners and viewers to listen to and view the content, we can't produce it. Well, if we don't have the financial resources, we also can't produce the content we produce. And so we need your help in that regard as well. So if you've ever considered becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner, we would certainly appreciate that. We have answers for any questions you could possibly have available at wretched.org slash donate. That's wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel.
3: I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked and it said in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar, that's it. The kid comes, they get treats, per
0: month.
3: Know your church fathers.
0: Irenaeus was an apologist and disciple of Polycarp, who was a disciple of the Apostle John. He served as the Bishop of Lyon and wrote against heresies, a refutation of Gnosticism and Docetism in which he demonstrated the coherence and necessity of the Incarnation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
3: I major in queer post-colonial astrology. Yes, I'm sure you do. This is Wretched Radio. What did he say? (laughs) Queer post-colonial astrology. Probably not a very good degree to get from university (laughs) and incur a huge amount of debt. That's not the clip I was thinking of, though, Jimmy. There was another spoof. And the guy said something like, "I, I, I major in entertainment arts with a major in Beyonce or something like that, but it's got to be happening post-colonial queer astrology. <laughs> you know, you could Google that and I'll, I wouldn't want to be betting. That brings us however, back to the subject of money, which is the particular episode that we are focusing on courtesy of road trip to truth season Four, Tim Challey's episode two dealing with the subject of Money. Do you think investing in the stock market is a good
5: idea?
6: I do. You can't do it really for short term gains, but over maybe a period of 10 years, you're definitely gonna make a gain.
1: It's a great idea. Um, I just don't do it.
4: Yes. I think being smart about it though, don't just throw your money into any stock just cause you heard about it on TikTok
5: or something. Tim, the Bible TikTok. says we're supposed to avoid these get rich quick schemes, right? Is the
1: stock market a get rich quick scheme? At its best, the market is not a get-rich-quick kind of scheme. It's a way of investing your money and seeing, hopefully, slow but steady growth. At times, somebody will offer you an opportunity and say, hey, I know this one is about to explode in growth. And I think it's good to be pretty skeptical about those things. And again, to weigh your heart. Do I really just want to be rich, or am I just trying to be faithful to money God has given me?
5: Do you ever buy lottery tickets? And if so, do you think that's a wise investment?
6: No, <laughs> i never bought a lottery ticket ever in my life. I mean, you have a better chance of getting struck by lightning. I do not buy lottery tickets. I don't think that's a wise okay. investment. That's a losing game generally.
4: I personally don't. I've never spent money on a lottery ticket. I think it's kind of silly.
1: Is there any problem with buying lottery tickets? The Bible doesn't speak to lottery tickets. I don't think they existed in that time, but we can apply some biblical thinking and say there are some pretty substantial problems with lottery tickets. One of them would be that it is just a desire to be rich without working. So it's money that in a sense is ill-gotten rather than earned.
5: So do you ever gamble? And if so, what was the largest amount you lost?
4: I think my only form of gambling has been with cryptos and I would say Probably broke
6: even, honestly. I didn't necessarily gamble, but I was involved with the whole like uh, GameStop and like uh,
1: Doge fiasco. Gambling, thumbs up, thumbs down. I would reply very similarly to the lottery tickets in that gambling, especially for going to casinos or something along those lines, that money is being taken generally from people who cannot afford to give it up. And it's then being taken by people who may already have much more. And even then, it's a way of enriching yourself without work—it's a way of pursuing luck. It's there, there's many moral issues, and for that reason, the great majority of Christians through time have said absolutely no to gambling. What about just playing around, just betting with your friends on the golf course or when you're shooting hoops? I think we need to distinguish that from betting or from gambling, the sort of playful wagers that may come along. And I, I think that would be an issue where one person's conscience would be free to do it and another's would not. And so I might say, if I win, you're paying for lunch. If you win, I'm paying for lunch. Something along those lines. I don't I don't think there's a moral issue with that. But some people may feel in their conscience, I can't participate in that. So that would just be a good time to cede to the conscience of the individual person. Hey, here's, here's the problem with that,
3: Jimmy. What's that? That just was not a holistic enough answer. Huh. If the individual wants to buy lunch at Chick-fil-A instead of Zaxby's, sin. <laughs> right there you have it. <laughs>
5: Do you intentionally save money? (laughs) I do. Of course. Yes. I try to as much as I can.
6: I just, I guess, do like a percentage of what I make, and then I just throw it in my Vanguard account and don't look at it.
1: Is it okay for a Christian to store up extra money? It is wise for a Christian to store up more money than he needs day by day. So in times of need or in times of emergency or in times when there's an opportunity to give to some good cause, you've got some stored up, you can now give it. That's different from storing it up endlessly in great amounts, just so you feel satisfaction in your soul. That is unwise. What about preparing for retirement? I think as we read the Bible, there wasn't the same notion of retirement then that we have now, but, I do think it falls to individuals to do the best they can to support themselves all throughout life. And so that does mean storing some away for the future and as little as possible, depending upon other family members. Good word. What? What are you laughing at?
2: Never seen an armored car in a funeral (laughs) procession.
3: You Um, want to make some big money? You come up with a new, you can't take it with you illustration. (laughs) Sell it to Lifeway. They're paying big bucks. Do
5: we have any responsibility to take care of our parents? Yes. I think I have a responsibility to take care of my parents.
4: Responsibility, I wouldn't necessarily say, but, you know, if they've looked out for you your entire life, I think you should pay that back. But not all parents are good parents.
3: Wow. That's uh, not a disclaimer the Bible offers.
4: Not all parents should have been parents. Like
6: For me personally, like, I definitely want to give back to my parents because I feel like they have like Ugh. sacrificed a lot. I come from a Nigerian background, and so I uh, am very much for that. And I think that my parents have helped me to become the person that I am. So when it gets to the point where they're going to need me to take care of them, I'm 100% going to be there for them.
5: If my parents don't have enough money to retire without assistance, do I have to use my money to take
1: care of them? The Bible makes it very clear that if somebody in your family is lacking, it falls first to family before the government, before the local church, to provide. Of course, there may be times where your parents have lived very foolishly, or maybe there's some very difficult circumstances in your background that would make it very difficult to do this. And so I would say then, rely on your local church, speak to your elders, and ask them for wisdom and guidance about exactly what that would look like jimmy do you hear that sound what's that it's the sound of road
3: trip to truth season four flying off the shelves because (laughs) it encourages young people to take care of their parents when they get older i thought that young lady was fascinating and ooh, did you feel the zeitgeist hey there's some people who shouldn't have been parents Mm. so i don't need to take care of them oh There are some parents who are really bad. I don't need to take it. Oh, I see how that. And what is exactly the standard that your parents need to meet? I've got the biblical answer. They're your parents. Yes, as Tim rightly said, there can be some wisdom that is involved, most certainly. But those are exceptions, not the rule. The general rule is, yeah, we owe a debt to them. We need to take care of them. Is there ever a place or a time for an an assisted living facility? Sure, because you just you can't do it, but perhaps let me put it rather strongly, just to dump them in there and then skedaddle and not ever visit or be a part of their lives on a regular basis or do things to serve or to help mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. that young lady I'll tell you she is most certainly. An individual who is a product of her times. And by the way, speaking of product of their times with young people and and not taking care of parents, you know, those traditional things. I thought it was the other young lady was from, did she say? Nigeria. Yep. Culturally, you take care of your parents. That's what you do. We have gotten away from that. Like, oh, so many other things. Received this email from Joe, to whom I'm most grateful, uh, talking about why young people don't want to get married. They, 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 why they don't want it actually came up with a laundry list. The two that I think are the biggies, quite honestly, social media and, and, and the, the, the fear that is instilled into people about everything and how terrible it can be. And pornography, it, you don't need that aspect of um, marital relationship when you've got yourself a computer, but he listed a bunch of others, birth control. Economics, the world, it's a mess. I think we heard that yesterday. Planned Parenthood, public schools, no-fault divorce laws, radical feminism. That's a lot of stuff that contributes to our kids' worldview. And it isn't a surprise, therefore, that they don't want to get married, they don't want to have children, and they don't want to take parents. So, Mom and Dad, if you want your children to take care of you, Yes, I am, Jimmy. Get yourself Road Trip to Truth Season 4 <laughs> and share it with them. If Here's what you could do with it. Maybe your youth group isn't going to use Road Trip to Truth. Thousands do, but if yours doesn't, get it and watch it with your kids. Seriously. And pause it. Every time they go, uh, or what do you mean by that? This This will open up a lot of cans for you. To dive into and discuss these things, there's other seasons where we do get into the subject of marriage, what it is, what it isn't, intimacy, what that's all about. So, if you're looking for a way to talk to students or even your own children in a way that respects them, that deals with the subjects that they are wrangling with these days, please consider getting yourself Road Trip to Truth seasons one, two, three, or now four and study guide at wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio.
2: And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, we kick things off today with reports from major counseling organizations like the ACA and the ACSA that are pushing transgender ideology on mental health professionals and also in schools. According to the reports, the groups are encouraging therapists to pump kids full of puberty blockers before they can tie their shoes or even do long division. Yeah, well, you know, because there's nothing like permanently disfiguring your body based on a childhood whim. Who cares about evidence or ethics or corrupting an entire profession, for that matter? There's a woke agenda to push. Meanwhile at the happiest place on earth, that would be Disney, I guess the wokest place on earth, they want to make sure that every hand-washing, floor-mopping employee can proudly display their pronouns. and <laughs> Talk about family fun. Pretty soon, you're not going to be able to even go to the bathroom at Disney or anywhere for that matter without stumbling right into a Marxist manifesto. But don't worry, there's no longer any five-hour wait times at Disney. Funny how that all works, isn't it? And hopping over to the UK, the former labor leader there did his best impersonation of a politically correct parrot by refusing to call Hamas terrorists. Despite being asked 17 times, he still refused to refer to the organization as terroristic. The deafening silence can only mean that he was either making a statement of support or he's just terrified of mouthing anything that could be remotely perceived as offensive, even with lives at stake. Yep, gotta be careful not to hurt any jihadists' feelings right about now. Some brighter news, a Finnish court has apparently stopped their ludicrous hate crime trial over a politician stating her traditional beliefs. She just quoted a Bible verse verbatim on social media, and uh, that was enough to land her in the defendant's chair. But she was finally exonerated. However, Finland suggests scriptural marriage warrants harassment charges. What a world. What a world. That's been today's Wretched News break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks.
0: Important dates in Christian history. 1727, a spiritual awakening at Hernhut, Germany, launches the Moravian Brethren as the forerunner of modern Protestant missionary movements. This 300 member group sent missionaries to Asia, Africa, North and South America, and the Arctic. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: Church news that might be very helpful.
3: There's some people who probably don't appreciate the four-part organ-accompanied worship that we just enjoyed. I've got something just for them. What's that? If they like, if they like the cool hip stuff, wow, it doesn't get any hipper than this. You've got yourself rapper person, I think that's what they're called, singing the national anthem. Oh. Flavol, flavor
2: that's an R at the end of that.
3: Flavor flav. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: oh, say, can you see, Oof. by the
3: dawn you say, who are you to judge, Friel? Have you ever heard yourself sing? It's yes, a- that's why I can judge. <laughs> I'm well acquainted with bad singing.
2: What so proudly we hailed at the twilight's
3: last gleaming. Wow, he's 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 going for it here. This is this isn't as good as Carl Lewis. But, is beautiful. All right, hold on. I'm going to fast forward this because Somehow he turned the national anthem into three minutes. <laughs> Zoinks. Was still there.
2: Oh, say,
3: Oh, Jimmy, would yes. you like to represent nobody who's listening anymore <laughs> to determine if we're going to hear the big note or not?
2: Oh, we're going to hear something. All, right.
3: All the land
2: of the free and the That was beautiful.
3: Oh, that was something, wasn't it? (laughs) Let's get to church news, shall we? Survey says, why so many people are leaving church? This is actually a little bit of good news because most folks who have changed churches have not done it for a nefarious reason. They moved. That would explain it, wouldn't it? This was a survey, you guessed it, Lifeway was involved in it. 29% of churchgoers said they switched because their church changed in a way they didn't like. Yep, that's true. A similar percentage said they left because the church wasn't fulfilling their needs. But it was 60% who said, yeah, we had to move. So that's not Great news, but it's not totally horrible news. We've seen a whole lot of shifting going on with churches. Pastor, be encouraged. Maybe they moved. They should have talked to you before they left, but maybe they moved. But about a third of people are not pleased with their church to the point where they decide to vamoose. This is a conversation that we've had many, many times. Please, Be slow to leave a church. Didn't say never go, just be slow to leave. Do it with wisdom, do it with prayer, do it with counsel. 26% said they became disenchanted with their pastor. See, Jimmy, that actually might substantiate my claim from, I think it was yesterday, talking about a growing number of individuals who aren't happy with their pastor because they aren't matching their level of. Mm, agitation, Hmm. of anger about what's going on in our world. Be careful about that. Be careful. And this is one of those times we need to remember. Now look, you can talk to your pastor respectfully. You can do that. Do it respectfully. That's what we're commanded to do, as if we're talking to our fathers, which should also be done respectfully. But then you got to let the man do what he thinks is best for the congregation that he has been called to serve as an elder. That's his call. Be careful, be careful twenty two per cent highlighted disagreements over politics. Whoa boy, can you ever leave a church because of politics? Sure life issue, marriage, sexuality, gender, business. Yeah, most certainly. But be careful when it's other issues. Not saying you can't. There can be some extenuating circumstances. My encouragement is just be careful that you don't go quickly because your pastor just isn't. He's just not every week banging it on the issues that you'd like him to bang it on. Even even the stuff that I would say is really crucial, like the life issue and the marriage issue, we need to submit to our elders. We need to let them preach what they believe the body should be hearing. And if they happen to be an expository preacher, then let's let the text dictate what the contents of the sermon are going to be. The good news is only 2% of folks are leaving churches because, well, I'm a different religion now. So, Jimmy, overall, not horrific news that 60% that leave the church, it's simply because they moved. If you happen to be one of the individuals, though, who's maybe a little disgruntled with your church, this article from, it's Tim Challey's day, from Tim Challey's Might Help. His article is titled, You Just Can't Have It All. It would be impractical and frankly ridiculous, writes Chalice, to expect a bunch of sinful people could join together to create a sinless community. Ain't that the truth? To imagine that perfection could arise from the confluence of a hundred lives as imperfect as yours and mine ain't going to happen. <laughs> now, he explains a perspective that that, that isn't easy but it might just help you overlook some of the stuff that's getting up your nose. Even though we know perfection is impossible, we all sometimes grow a little frustrated at the sheer messiness of Christian individuals and churches. There's a temptation to pack it up. There seems to be a law in this broken world that every strength is tempered with some kind of a weakness almost as if there's a finite number of points that can be allocated to any individual or any church. I I think this observation is a truism. This is true with any. Think of your favorite politician. Did they not have strengths? Yeah. Did they have weaknesses? Of course. And so does your pastor, by the way, and so does everybody at church, including you and me. And so Tim's encouragement is, hey, be careful. You should expect that there's going to be Weaknesses. A pastor who is an especially powerful preacher may be an especially weak counselor. Elders who are skilled and vociferous in defending the truth may fall short in grace and love. A church that takes worship services seriously may be lax when it comes to evangelism. Now, none of those are okay. But some kind of imperfection is inevitable until we get to heaven. Take a look at your church. Is it irrational to expect that any one church, any one pastor, any one husband or wife, for that matter, can excel in every way? Can we learn to tolerate church shortcomings? No individual, no community of individuals can be complete in everything. It just doesn't work that way. So here's what Chalice writes. Hence, the path to joy in church. He also tackles marriage and life is to accept there will always be imperfections, to accept that there will always be areas of disappointment, but be willing to celebrate the strengths while tolerating the weaknesses. Just as it is the glory of a man to overlook an offense, it is the glory of a Christian to overlook a weakness to find greater joy in what encourages than in what disappoints. A friend of mine once said, I turned a corner when I decided to look for the good in my church and stop hunting for all the bad. And maybe, just maybe, that perspective will help you to, not when it's theology, not when it's heresy, not when it's stuff that's like really corrosive and definitely bad for your family, but, maybe it'll help you overlook a lot of stuff including maybe Flavo flave singing and the home, and the this is brain, of the brain, i think we harmonize rather well If you happen to be staring down the health insurance barrel and you are groaning because you're going to have to figure out what do we do? Can we change? What do we get in November when it's open enrollment month? That barrel can be removed because every day is enrollment day at MediShare. Would you please call them if you're dealing with the health insurance blues, (laughs) please call Take two minutes out of your day and give them a call at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. If you're not familiar with MediShare, it's affordable biblical health sharing. Average family saves $500 per month, average. Their ratings, high, Teladocs, Please check out MediShare by calling them, finding out how much your family will save, or you can visit MediShare.com slash Wretched, MediShare.com slash Wretched, where every day is enrollment day at MediShare. All
2: right, right, we'll buckle up, get ready. Road Trip to Truth season four is back. Host John Fabares also back this year. But what's different this year is he has a traveling companion. Our buddy Jake Reem is joining him on the road trip to truth for season four. And this is not going to be your typical grandma's Bible study. No, 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 no. If any of our other seasons are any indication, you know exactly what you're in store for. Hard-hitting questions, controversial topics, and a heaping dose of biblical truth. Sin, death, atheism, racism, critical race theory, you name it they're going to cover it this season and they're not going to pull any punches while they're doing it get ready because they're going to tackle the toughest issues facing christians today from a solid biblical perspective road trip to truth season four available for purchase now at wretched.org slash four that's wretched.org f-o-u-r
1: i believe in a culture of life one of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms
3: in the womb, when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat. Would you please consider supporting Preborn? It's a great ministry of life. It has a high anthropology, shares the gospel with women and with the dads. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash Wretched. <laughs>
0: God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is the ability to discern between true and false spirits. Satan masquerades as an angel of light, and many false teachers present their lies as God's truth. But God has given us His truth, and He has equipped us to tell true from false in accordance with His Word. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
3: Apparently, I'm rather naive this is wretched radio for years i have read different manuals and articles about church transitions and i've scratched my head and pondered why does it have to be this way what way am i describing well the way that an article in christian post describes the transition of retiring pastors and i've this is not the first article that i've stumbled across I've read many articles. I've even heard it at different conferences. Hey, when you retire, you need to get out. You need to leave because it causes too much trouble for the new guy. He'll never step out from your shadow. And I kept wondering, why is that? Why why can't it be sweeter? I get it. You got sinful people involved. I get that. But shouldn't the church be the place where the... One leader can pass the baton to another leader and it's good and it's healthy and even beneficial. Somebody would protest, but everybody's going to run to the old guy. Yeah, let's say they do. Why is that necessarily bad? What if they run to the old guy to complain and he corrects them? Mm -hmm. Let's face it. People are going to have those complaints about the new guy, whether the old guy is there or not. How's about the old guy can actually absorb some of those critiques for the new guy? Well, they, they go to him all the time to just ask theological questions, right? And why is that a terrible thing? If he's Pastor Emeritus... Does that mean he doesn't ever get to talk to anybody? Maybe it would actually help the pastor who gets hit by 10,000 questions every single week and he could absorb, say, 3,000 of them. Why why wouldn't that be good? And why can't we model that we do transitions better than the world? I mean, do you see it in elections? The old guys are out, away they go. The CEO, he gets axed, bringing the new guy, he's gone. Okay, that's the way of the world. We're the church. This article provides 10 insights for retiring pastors. Number one, when you retire from your church, stay away for a season. At the very least, let your successor get established without your presence for several months to a year. What? What? So this fellow who has been a part of the church. He hasn't just been the pastor. He's been a part of it. This is his church. This is where he goes to church. He's a member there too. He's supposed to go away for six months or a year to let the guy get established. Where's he supposed to go? What what about him? Visit the mega church down the street, go on vacation, not go to church at all. Why in the world would we advise such things? Why can't he be there? And help the other guy get established, and actually serve the role as a cheerleader for the guy. I don't understand this, Jimmy. Am I naive? Ah, uh, no. Well, I see both sides. All right, tell, All right, then, then tell me the wrong side. No, I don't.
2: I don't think there is a wrong side. I said I see validity from both sides. But where's the guy supposed to go? Well, I don't know where he's supposed to go. Well, I don't that kind of a consideration. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I think I mean, so.
3: What is he supposed to visit the church down the street? Uh, and do what there? Uh, yeah. Does he? What is his? Is he not a member there? He's he's not a member anywhere. He, how's about the guy isn't safe? What if he needs discipline and he's not a member of a local church? That's actually true. I mean, I get it. I really do get it. But see, this is what I don't understand. Why it can't be a sweet thing? Well, yeah. Uh, Look if if it happens to be a senior pastor and he's still trying to hold on to a fiefdom, well that's just a sinful attitude. Uh, that's got to go. But why see here's an here's another transition that I that I don't quite understand. That we first look for a pastor from the outside. Why don't we look on the inside? And you go, well wow, some teenager who grew up there everybody knows what he was like. So what? So what? Why don't we know that people mature and grow? Don't we know that they change over the years? Why wouldn't we want to find somebody from inside? Well, because there's some people who might be jealous or don't respect him. Well, then they need to stop being jealous and they need to start respecting him because of the office. Not because they knew that he threw a rock at a window when he was 12 years old. Back to the article. The moment you announce to your church that you plan to retire, Your relationship with the congregation has changed. No, it hasn't. You're still the pat. You've announced it. The relation. Now I get it. It. Oh, he's coming to the end. I get it. It's sort of like a lame duck presidency. But can't we do better than the political realm? I get it. This is why, in my estimation, I'm not a political pundit. This is why Joe Biden claims to be running again, because if he said I'm not, he's lame duck. Well, then he's out of here. He's got to say that. We'll see what happens. But shouldn't we do better than that in the church? Your senior pastor says, hey, everybody, I'm stepping down, and here's the plan for the next X number of months. We're going to do it like this. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm still your shepherd. My calling to this office, it is still in full force. I love you. I'm here. Let's do this together, and let's open up a new chapter for this church. You are no longer the pastor," writes this Christian Post article. "You are the departing pastor." Well, no, he's he's the retiring pastor. He's he's not going to be doing the same duties. Then I suspect Why wouldn't we want a guy like that in our church? We don't want him teaching a Bible study. We do, we don't want him counseling anybody. We don't want him being a calm presence during an acrimonious church meeting. I don't get it number seven don't be surprised remember this is for insights for retiring pastors don't be surprised if the church doesn't want your input on finding your successor um well then that's a foolish congregation isn't it well we just need a change we do we we need some fresh blood some new ideas really what don't you need somebody who's godly Don't you need somebody who can handle the word rightly? Aren't those the qualifications for being an elder? And you don't want the guy who's been an elder probably for decades to be involved in that? Don't take their posture as a personal rejection. I don't know how they couldn't, honestly. It is human nature for people to move on once they know significant change is on the horizon. Well, I get that to a degree, but I don't know why that has to be. Call me naive, but I just think that a church should be a place where we do things differently than they do in the realm of politics or in the realm of business. Jimmy? Yeah,
2: I, I agree with what you're saying totally, and I, I agree especially on the one about the successor. Um. I think, I I really think that a congregation would do well to want their longtime pastor to help them find a successor. If he's been their shepherd for many, many, many years, how do you not think that he's going to continue to have
3: your best interest in mind? Well, here's here. Okay, let me just argue the other side. Okay, Uh, you know what? He just hasn't been doing a great job for a number of years. And he uses some of those anecdotes in his sermons. I've heard him like seven times. And, you know, he just doesn't have the energy that he used to have. And um, I I just don't know that he cares that much anymore. Mm. Okay. Those observations may or may not be true, but I just don't know that they should overshadow the wisdom that you have in a guy who's dedicated his life to you. Yes, right. He's there, isn't he? I, I know church culture. I get it. Believe me. I get it. It's different. It is a different culture than any other because you've got voices. But the reason that I think we have so much, I was going to use the word toxic culture inside of church. It's because of our failure to appreciate the office of the elder, that this guy has been appointed by God or he wouldn't be there. God wants him there or he wouldn't be there. And 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 that even though maybe his sermons aren't as sizzling as they used to be, he doesn't throw the flames like he once did. Okay, so he's slowing down. Find another guy, but don't put this guy on the ash heap. Don't send him packing to Florida to do nothing. That to me is just so unwise. And by the way, as long as we're talking about this fellow, as if he's got gray hair, that's true for all of the old people in our congregation right now. This—it's just sitting there. You don't need Chuck Woolery to make this connection. You got a bunch of young people who are very confused, who are looking for help and for guidance. You—you read pretty much any sociological study on Gen Z and millennials. They're desperate for wisdom and guidance. And then over there, you've got oh, they're not there anymore because we changed everything just to market to the young people. And we sent the old people away because we turned them off with music and we told them, you're not really the important demographic. Look at the marriage that could take place with old people downloading wisdom to young people. So this. Call Me Naive, isn't just about pastors. It's about all gray hairs who happen to have something precious. Wisdom. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.